Welcome to Science of Business podcast by Valueships. My name is Radek and together with experts from various industries, we discuss new research pieces and their application in business life. If you're a manager or you want to be up to date with science that can be applied in your work, this podcast is made for you. And we are live. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Science of Business podcast. Um, today, my guest is Ian McIlwain, Director of Development and Part- Partnerships at FutureLearn and former LinkedIn Learning Sales Director. Happy to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the invitation, Radek. And the topic for today is adult learning. And in specific, there is one thing that I really want to talk uh, with Ian about, which is, are we more autonomous as learners if if there is any difference in our self-directedness but this will come later on first we will have some questions that came from our audience and even before that i have one very small question to you ian because i know you have quite a lot of experience with multiple learners that are or have to be in some way self-directed because they attend online courses and i wonder over this year what was your number one realization about learners? Yeah, well, over this year, or let's say two years, and I think everybody understands the context that we're talking about here is this huge digital transformation. Of course, it's been amazing to see what we can do online, what we what we can achieve with learning online um, that may have been challenged in the past, or if not challenged and already happening, but rather happening at a, at a slower pace. But I'd say... Within that, what we've seen, uh, there's also this realization that depending on what you're learning, uh, your your own personality, why you're learning, learning online can be a bit of a, a lonely experience. And I, I, I can't help but compare this with um, fitness and, and, and training and growing in, in that way as well. Depends on who you are. Maybe you want to go for a long run. On your own and that's how you reflect but maybe you would be better off in a in a zumba class or an aerobics class or with a a personal trainer depending on what your goals are and what you're trying to do so yeah i'd say it, it it's that really can be a lonely experience unless you have the options it's not just about putting the things online so there is plenty of different things we can do online but but they all depend on our context on what we actually um who we are in some way can be the moment can be um our personality and it can be yeah, what we're trying to learn for for a while and we have we have evidence around this so whilst it's been amazing to see what can be achieved as i said in this this transformation and, and, and migration of a ton of different options online we also see uh, instances where learners don't or can't engage won't necessarily complete things um, but we might see in the the same company let's say or this on the same day uh, a, a, um, a zoom workshop being created where people go, know that they're going with their colleagues and it's going to be a bit more facilitated or they're going to an online course where there's a they're going through with a with a cohort and they know that they can exchange and perhaps exchange outside the the, the virtual experience and we see higher levels of engagement and higher levels of, of uh, completion and and therefore better outcomes and better chance of things being transferred into um, adaptation and, and real life and being put to use. Yeah, I, I love it. And because 
sometimes what I see is that, for instance, uh, people complain that massive online courses have very low completion rate. A lot of people quit when they when they started. Um, but I think the conclusion from here is it's not that generally online courses are bad, but just maybe for some people, for those who couldn't make it, maybe there was something missing and we need to address individual learners and, and what is missing for them to make sure that they um, they learn. Yeah, almost certainly there is something missing if there isn't this element of, of exchange. Because uh, even if, and go back to the the um, analogy of, of training, and maybe even if I am somebody who prefers to go for a long run and I need that space and time and I, I, I want to do that, um, I'll probably benefit from you know, exchanging my stats at least with somebody on a on a on an app, seeing how other people are doing. But most of us, in reality, and, and I guess this is probably the realization about learners, most of us want to learn together, and we need to reflect together, uh, or we need at least an option to do that. And sometimes, you know, that's not sometimes that's not necessarily us um, being being active ourselves. You know, in the classroom, I might learn. Vicariously, just because of the other conversation that's going on, even if I, I'm not contributing, but there's lots of different elements, and we need to make sure that that we have those options because, um, yeah, otherwise it's likely that something's going to be missing. There is a very related question from uh, Oscar uh, that shared it before uh, we started recording, which is how to address transfer in those settings where people are rather self-paced. So there is no instructor, there is no live meetings. Most often, this would be just an um, online course that you do asynchronously. How to make sure that people do implement their learnings in their life? What's What are your practices in this? Yes, thank you for the question, Oscar. There's three things that come to mind for me here. First of all, I'm a big fan of smart goals and this seems to be me to apply really well here because if I've gone to the trouble of going through the course I've committed to myself and gained the knowledge it's a shame not to make sure that I can carry it through myself and a good mechanism is just setting a smart goal for my myself and I imagine that that is a you know the final step that's that's often missed related to that I would say one of the things that's really important is the immediacy of when I make a change, even if I just make one change because of what I've learned or, or what I've reflected on, but I make that today. So I come away from the course um, and and ask myself, what's the one thing that I'm going to do different as a result of the course that I've taken, but what's the one thing that I'm going to do different today? Tomorrow, tomorrow has most likely today. Before you go to the third one, yeah. I, I would ask you something about this. So once I was thinking about it, that we organize a training in, in, in a given field and then the participants don't have a chance to implement it in in, in a few months even. Um, let's say it would be project management training, but no project ma project is to be managed in the upcoming <laughs> weeks or months. Would you say it's maybe not the best timing for such training to happen or that they still should need to practice even though... I'd say a couple um, of things. One is, um, you know, we, we're, we're quite used to training where there is cases or you bring a particular problem to the to the workshop and you're trying to solve it right there and then. So that's like probably even more, more ideal in terms of um, the timing. But 
Yeah, I, I imagine there are topics where the timing is important, but if it's project management, for example, I can practice with my you know, planning my kid's birthday party or or next ski holiday, because um, we're not saying implement all of it. We're not we're not saying all of the things that you've managed, but it's important to get that momentum immediately. So just one thing to one thing to practice or one thing to implement immediately. I think that's the important. But I wouldn't necessarily say wait till the perfect moment to take the training. I'd just say make sure that you've you, you're you're aware of what's the change that you're going to make straight away and know that. You, it's it's uh, diminishing over time the likelihood of you actually making that change if it's months after. Uh, so yeah, I'd say that. And then the the third thing, I think somehow related as well, and this is what I would recommend for a trainer. And if this doesn't happen in the course, similar to the second one, if the course doesn't end with what's the one change that you're going to implement today or the thing that you're going to do differently, the other thing that I would look for at the end is who's your who's your buddy and that is similar it doesn't need to necessarily need to be someone in the course it needs to be somebody who you can tell what you've learned and what you're trying to do and set those those check-in moments and it doesn't necessarily need to be every week or, or two weeks it could be um it could be two months i had a, a buddy uh, from um a, a mental health and wellness course we attended together and we 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 agreed that we were going to implement these certain things she was going to write gratitude journals and I was going to um, make sure that I kept up with my uh, regular learning, self-paced learning just happened to be that. And when we we spoke the, the following weeks, we got in this habit of checking in with each other and, you know, not no, no criticism, no judgment, just a moment to share what we were doing. But we we caught up uh, less frequently. And after months of, of not catching up, we... Um, we, we had our check-in she shared with me that she had kept up really diligently first because she built the habit but secondly because she didn't want to come to that meeting and say that she hadn't kept it up even in the environment where I'm not a judgmental person I wouldn't criticize her and in fact you know it's 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 really her, her business but that was enough to keep her on the track of implementing what we had learned about wow so some very concrete tactics and I really like especially the first one about learning goals, because I got to know when I was exploring some research and um, how to make sure that people are motivated to, to learn is that when they set out goals for themselves, it really increases their not only motivation, but also um, attention during the course, because they always, whatever happens, it always resonates to the goal. So if I want to implement it at my work, whenever I whenever I learn something new, I look at it on from this um, from this perspective. So I think it really gives some framework for the instructors, for the people who design online courses to make sure that those elements are included, not only the knowledge that you want to share, but also taking care a little bit of supporting the learners through. I think it's such a great point. So if I said at the end, what I would like to see is, a, you know, what are you going to do different now? And what are you going to, who's, who's your buddy? At the beginning, I would like to see um, emphasis placed on why why are you doing this so related to the goals but why is this why is this important um and and what does it why bother at all because i think you're right it helps you to connect throughout the course to the to the uh, the overall learning goals but also just as humans you know we tend not to make good decisions based on 
future state, but we will make decisions, you know, the, the week following the training or, or the week after, or even maybe in the, in the, in the course, um, lower engagement. If, if we're just, you know, thinking about the, the now, if we can just take that time and think about what's the, the future state, why bother, right? What's this really for deeply emotionally, then we're much more likely to be able to make it stick and much more likely to engage. I, I think you're right. Great. Some a lot of a lot of concrete insights. And I think we can move on to because we have two more questions to address before the big topic. Um, one and and I will allow myself to answer this one. Uh, there was a question from Mache if it's more difficult to learn when we get older. So if you know at certain age, especially because world is changing right now, so we will need to learn, we will need to reskill, upskill uh, over our lifespan. And it is it is it um, harder for for us if we get older and the simple answer from research is uh, no it's not um, the most cited research about it is on the taxi drivers from london that whenever they attend the training to learn the map of uh, of london to know all the streets their hippocampus the part of the brain um, responsible for learning is actually growing so we have this plasticity we keep on learning Recently, I also got to know there was a research actually that said um, older people are have have lower capabilities. But the problem was that the research was not longitudinal. So at a given point of time, we asked young people and old people if they um, tested them in in their capacity. But then the longitudinal research, so one person over time, actually did not replicate the results. So it, it means that maybe in the past generations when we when we didn't have that much um, availability of education, when we didn't really, when, when we weren't put in situations to always learn, then maybe our capacity decreased. But right now, people have potential to learn for at least until 80s. Uh, and it's keep on increasing as we get healthy. So this is answered. I didn't want to bother you with that. But what I wanted to ask you is, do you see this actually? If Do you see this um, bias if people believe, oh, I'm too old for learning this? I'm, I'm like, how do you, do you see this and how do you challenge that? Yeah, it's, so, so first of all, yeah, really interesting that some of the, 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 uh, the science that is coming out of this. And I have to say, we're on the Science of Business podcast and my career is much more around business and management leadership than it has been around teaching and, and science. But where I have come across things in this space, I mean, we, there, the, the, the assumption that uh, children can learn languages at a young age is being challenged at the moment because it's, you know, it's, it's I think it's much more about expectation, turns out, but lots of interesting research going on around that. Uh, I think that I think this is also something that's changed over the last couple of years. So if you think about um, leadership skills, for example, and let's imagine the, um, the, the, the leader who's been in a position for some time and maybe hasn't been challenged to learn and adapt and, and change as frequently as their career progressed. And maybe, dare I say it, starts to feel like oh, they've, they've got they're the, the, the pinnacle of their career. They've, they've, They've done it and, you know, they're, they're there and they're, now they're drawing on their experience. I think that uh, in the last couple of years, what what that leader has had to learn about um, leading in, in a crisis, um, uh, authentic leadership, uh, empathy, 
just all kinds of digital transformation has has probably challenged in a in a really healthy way. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't buy it. I don't think that it's more difficult to learn when we get older. It's a matter of expectation. It's a matter of attitude. I can't help but think about in my own personal life. Um, my my mother doesn't like technology, and in a, she doesn't have internet in her house, and you know, obviously that frustrates me because it it, it hampers our connection and, and communication. And I just think about what could she, what could we do, if uh, if she possibly had, you know, set her own expectation that she could pick these things up. Not to criticise my mother, but in this example, my mother-in-law. Um, I have a video of her with Oculus Rift dancing around fighting zombies in the front room because she's just embraced it and it wasn't hard for her to learn how to use that. I think we will also address that in some way in, in the upcoming questions about the stubborn learners and, and this being self-directed. Um, but before we jump into that, um, there is a question from the audience that appeared um, right now. Uh, which is what changes you've realized between learning process before pandemic and now? What we've learned so far on learning that we didn't know before 2020. Um, and I wonder, because in the beginning you mentioned uh, a little bit about it and um, that that we realized that it's just like training in, um, in the gym, that we have different styles and we need to use the materials, the tools uh, accordingly. Is there some other learning before and, and and after the pandemic that you would add to that? Yeah, a couple of things come to my mind. So yeah, thanks for the question, Camilla. We did um a trends report in FutureLearn in the middle of the in the middle of the, the pandemic, and there was some really interesting insights around um how uh, inclusive people could find the the online learning, which I think that's something that wasn't really coming up before. Uh, it was it was around being able to be in a in a in a space which is which is accessible by everybody, and whilst you want to engage with with others, somehow there was there was um, less judgment. And I'm not sure that we were thinking that deeply about it before the pandemic. So that was a a really interesting one to see. Um, besides that, I think that it would i know i referred to the the pandemic as the, as this moment and i think of it more as a a catalyst rather than absolutely changing things it's it's um this, many of these things were happening already so this understanding that we 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 should be blending the online with the with the um offline the the understanding that we could um make an online training experience fit for fit for lots of different needs just using the, the technology it was going slower and it just went much faster so i think that's really the point for me it's um that the 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 pandemic was a catalyst it didn't change things on a on a u-turn just like made us believe because from one week to the next we solved things that we thought were going to take years great thank you and and then um there is this one i uh, saved for for a last one, and I think it's the most challenging. So, um, let me give you the context behind this question. It was about a specific learner. So, we have some per performance review in the company. We have some concrete positions where this person should develop in their field because it's coming from feedback from from how they perform in comparison with the other team members. And then this person would say, "Nope." I don't feel I need to learn this. 
there is a, so so this this stubbornness or this um, hesitance comes come, it's quite quite strong as an as an attitude, um, and I wonder um, how do you address such uh, attitudes? It's a big question, and so I think there's a lot of dimensions to it. So let me name a few that come to mind for me, Radic, and then I'm sure we can dig into a, a few of them. But first of all. The, the, the first thing that just jumps out to me, even when I see the, this word stubborn learner, is the concept of a fixed mindset versus a, a growth mindset. And so when discussing with this person, I think that if you if you if we keep that in mind, it would help us as a you know a coach, a manager, teacher, trainer to um, understand where this might be coming from, because it's probably something fairly, fairly deep. What, what helped this person to de, to de, lean more towards fixed mindset rather than lean more towards growth mindset. And it can be that, you know, they were um, given labels in school even or, or um, judged in, in school in a way that meant I have to be good at this thing and proven and I can't show any kind of um, weakness or humility by admitting that I need to learn something because actually my personality is very much connected to that. Somebody once gave me the label of smart or, you know, because it, it can be quite deep set and we can't stop with just this is a, um, you know, somebody who's, who's being stubborn because they want to say no, it can be much more connected to, to this. After that, I mean, there's, there's definitely a conversation about how quickly the world is changing and um, maybe it's about bringing some of their visibility to that, what got them to the position where they are now or the success where they are now won't won't get them to the next step or won't may not may not even maintain them in the position that they are now because of the speed of change around us and it's just getting it's just getting faster um the other thing two more things radic and then you will we'll, we can dive in the other thing i would say as well is there's a there's sort of a practical example that we have again here for in in sports or people who, who are mas real masters. I mean, if you think about a basketball player, a professional, they stand and hundreds of times do a chest pass to each other, even if they are playing on the, you know, the, the, the US um, Olympic team. They, they, they do this because they need to make sure that they're continuing to sharpen their, their skills and they do it with the other people so that they start to understand the, the, the other people that they're, they're working with. So it's not about, you know, I've made it to the top and now I don't learn or practice even more. Never mind learn, just even practice. The best, the best do that. Um, so there's probably something to do with a motivation there. Final thing I would say about this is let's assume that this, uh, that this person is within um, a, an organization, a company like an enterprise company there's a there's a few stakeholders around this person who will impact their learning and Im impact their their feeling of towards learning their attitude towards learning one is the the L&D team so is the L&D team creating tools that are inspiring and and uh, you know enough flexible and options that this this person can gravitate to one and it fits and it fits their needs the other is um the, the the executive so the the leaders of the organization are they uh, role modeling the importance of learning themselves are they um, making sure that people understand that they 
as the part of their job, they should be making space in their in their week to uh, dedicate to learning. And, and are they giving them that responsibility? So not just the space, but the actual responsibilities, right? Your responsibility, part of your job is to get yourself ready for, if not the next job for yourself, but get yourself ready for what else is coming because because the world is changing and we and we know that. And are they giving that responsibility in such a way that it's like you can deliver on your results today, but you're probably not going to be able to meet your responsibility to the company if you don't embrace you know the, the change that you need to do. And then the the final stakeholder in this environment that we're that we're building around this person to support them towards a growth mindset is um their first line manager. And I mentioned this really specifically because I think this is so important and it's probably in a company, the stakeholder group that's that's given less focus, the least focus and the least support to be able to coach somebody. But that first line manager also needs to role model, make sure that the right um, motivation is in, play, is in place, coach, understand. And so they need also to be taught how to help somebody to learn. So it's a big question and probably all sounds easier said than done, depending on the depending on who you work. But the one thing I would say it's not it's not it can't be accepted because it's not fair to accept it as a as a like you are a stubborn is just another label which is a disservice to this person. Yeah, I love it. I I think the the major outcome, the major conclusion for me is that there always is a reason and there there could be plenty of those and we need to we we can't give up if if we realize it's not about the motivation then let's search for something else until we until we find it and it's interesting that you uh, repeated the influence of manager like i underlined it two minutes ago and then you you closed it up with this line manager i think it's it's really important to remember that Never the instructor or the L&D team should be alone uh, in this. Um, I, I think we we are there to help also to help the line manager on how to do that. But um, especially in, in these situations where motivation is not granted, I think manager is really important to um, help the learners, make sure that they know why they are actually um, needed in the in this process. Yeah, and we know, we know how influential managers are on our careers on an individual's career and you know we've all heard the 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 um the stats around people leaving managers not not necessarily companies if they if they leave and they feel like they're not not growing um and so i i have this strong feeling that we need to help the managers because it's the it's 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 such a difficult job there's there's a lot of um deliverables in that management position and they need to be deeply connected with the importance of learning too and be able and be inspired by it and then demonstrate that inspiration because if it's just a you know it's if it's just for compliance then it, that's it, it's always going to remain that way i don't know if that's part of the the background of this question um if, if it's that like that's what's going on in with the with the uh, behind the scenes of this question but um i i feel like helping the the first line manager helping that person who is most influential on a day to day um it is probably the first is probably the first stop yeah i'm also taking that down as a note for recently i'm i'm trying to understand 
how to better shape the learning culture inside organization. And you mentioned this time for learning, um, making sure everyone has some some learning paths and also supporting the line manager. This is what was missing in my current model. So I'll include that happily. Thank you for, uh, for this comment. And I think we can um, move to the biggest question uh, for today that uh, I prepared some research um, for you, um, which is about learning autonomously. And just to give you the impression of Radek from three months ago before I started questioning myself is, so whenever I teach trainers about um, truths and myths of learning, of adult learning, I always refer to the myth of um, learning styles because that's it's also well embedded in formal education that there are some learning styles. And in formal, they say we are we are visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Um, and, and then there is in um, training another model from Kolb that we are more, more uh, learners by doing, by, by reflecting and, and so forth. But the problem with all these models is that there is no research, no, no proven research that um, actually it helps learning that if you have this style and you learn in this style that you will learn better actually what what is proven is that if you mix styles that's how you that's how you achieve better results so you try different approaches so 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 this is radic 3 months ago and basically i would say we shouldn't really pay attention that much to the learner on on their style and so forth but then i discovered a research from 1991 um that was also later on um, rediscussed by other scholars, and, and it appears it it is still existing more in uh, in nursing education, in medical education than in um, adult education. But very interesting read. So Gerald Grow, 1991, um, he presented a model that there are four stages of self-directedness as a learner. Uh, we are first dependent, then we are interested, then we are involved, and finally we are self-directed. And he was linking this strongly to Blanchard, to um, the situational leadership, that also our employees are first need a lot of guidance, a, a lot of direction, but in the end, they are very self-driven as, uh, as employees. Um, he connected those two models, claiming that depending where the um, where the learner is, we should adjust our style, we should adjust the form of education we give them. So for instance, if the learner is more dependent, we give more authority to learning. So there would be more lectures, there would be more concrete um, tools, concrete answers, while the more they they dive to, towards self-directedness, we organize more workshops, we invite them to co-create learning, and finally, uh, we don't really organize their learning. We rather support them um, in learning by their uh, their own. So it clicked to me because in some of my training, I do realize my approach is I bring research pieces and then we try to deconstruct it. We try to figure out what does it mean for us. And the very same topic, the very same style, different groups, sometimes it's brilliant everyone loves it, a lot of ideas pop up. Sometimes I get feedback, yeah, but maybe you should give us more examples. And it clicked to me that maybe it is connected to this, that we have different attitudes towards learning. And if we do, then maybe we won't actually learn that much 
from the from the educator. So so this as the introduction, and I wonder if you also encountered such differences in in self directedness among uh, among learners. Yeah, and the the example that you gave there in terms of one one classroom plan or one training plan working with one group and not necessarily working brilliantly with the other group brings the um, opportunity of personalization to mind for me. So if you if you define here autonomously as that I'm just going to follow a um, a set path in a course and I am on my own, no no co no cohort, no sort of like social exchange, even though it's not face-to-face, -face, it's it, it's online. Um, and no sort of adaptation to, to what I need, then this is what I would describe as a, a, lon a lonely online experience. But if the learning experience or the, the course that I'm that I'm taking has um ways of helping me to engage in in a different way so at this moment i don't i don't need to absorb all this knowledge I, I already got this i'm much more at the stage of i need to reflect on this and maybe share experiences well then i can you know i can jump to that stage that's an element of personalization which you you're not able to achieve as a trainer in that classroom um you may be able to you may be able to get some everybody to the same level outside with some kind of online learning and then have more success in the classroom in a, a blended way because you've connected the two as well. So the options for this sort of personalization are really open up. Um, in, and, and not necessarily about learning styles, though, uh, you know, as you said, kin like kinetic and, and um, auditory and, and so on. Not necessarily that. I think beyond that, because it's also about um, my, you know, my previous experience on this topic. And I think that context is is absolutely everything. So it really depends what I'm what I'm learning about. Um, for example, you know, if if, uh, if I've snow been a snowboarder all, all my life, and then somebody ask me to go on skis then it's similar we're on the hill we're doing the same type of uh, type of a job but in this point the teacher can't be a, a coach and an inspirer and say what do you think we should do how do you think you should put them on and just go for it I believe in you no then there has to be an element of teaching about the, the this this thing and that's it doesn't matter if I'm more of a self-directed experienced person on the hill because I'm learning something different, and the, the teaching has to has to adapt. What I think is really interesting about the the the, um, the the paper that you just described as well, though, is the connection between teaching styles adapting to the situation and uh, leadership styles. Actually, so he he made some connection with with Blanchard, as you said there. Um, but if we think about teachers as leaders. It's the same type of flexibility that's needed. When will I be a coach? When will I be a just a teacher disseminating knowledge? Probably less and less because you know knowledge is becoming more and more commoditized. It's available. It's at least out there. But when will I be um, more of a director, as in you know holding standards and telling, but measuring and and so on? And when will I be a yeah? When will I be a a coach and a cheerleader? So same thing in leadership, actually, as teachers, and I think you know more and more if we can think of think as think of teachers and trainers in this context as leaders because you need to employ these 
similar skills in a very flexible, fluid way. Yeah, I'm smiling because last week on another podcast, I actually um, discussed a research uh, from military where um, the trainers who deliver the military program were evaluated in how good of leaders they are. And it appeared that it's also relevant to the level of um, learning from, from their peers. And we came to conclusions the same as you've mentioned, that trainers should be also leaders and, and should develop in this field. Um, but also what resonated with, uh, with me is when you mentioned that it depends on what we learn. And I, I mentioned to you before our call that uh, when I was learning Spanish, self-directedness doesn't, didn't really work when I just started because I, it, I didn't know what to use. I started to learn um, some vocab, but then I couldn't really put them into sentence. I couldn't speak. Um, and I found out actually there is no better way than to go to attend to classes or to some instructor to get the feeling of the language before I get self-directed. So in this case, I was really dependent learner, but in some other contexts, I am fully self-directed and I cannot really go to formal education anymore in, let's say, in evidence-based training, because usually I would be disappointed with not really addressing my very, very specific needs. Um, that's, that's what I'm taking. And one thing I wanted to ask you is for the personalization, um, an idea popped up in my mind. If we asked um, in our needs assessment, if you included a, a question, just an open one, how do you prefer to learn? How do you like to learn and evaluate what people answer? Like what I wouldn't ask it at first because I would expect that someone would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a visual learner. So, so then I would just drop those, but maybe they would tell, yeah, I really love a lot of examples. And that's actually this, this could fit into one or, or the other of the boxes. I would ask a slightly different open question because of the importance of context. And I would say, what is the best way to learn this thing? I'm noting it down because I will include that. We talked about how to make sure to implement. This will be my goal. You will be my buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I'd love to hear the answers to that as well. But the, the problem with it, you know, all of this learning styles and how do, how do people and how do individuals learn, it's, um, it's just labels. So you heard me before, I'm a, I'm a fan of the, uh, Carol Dweck and the, the growth mindset concept. And that's just, that's just labels, which lacks a lot of other dimension. There is another research piece I also wanted to discuss with you, and I'm checking we still have some time for that. Um, so building on the model from GROW, uh, these four stages, um, Murray and Fisher developed a scale to evaluate if people are more or less self-directed. So we divide now from this context-dependent and, and part-dependent to more if right now in, in my skill set, am I a self-directed learner in general? And, and they underlined three factors. Um, and what I would propose is that we go one by one and maybe figure out how we can embrace those. The first one was self-management. So if I'm managing my time well, if I'm planning well, if I'm prioritizing well in general, if I'm some sort of organized person, it, it seems straightforward to support learners in that. How do you think? Um, it seems straightforward. I was also just smiling to myself. The author of the previous paper, Gerald uh, Grow, he has such an apt name, it's such a perfect name based on what we've been discussing so far. Um, so for this one, you had to be organized, I'd say, 
probably helpful. Uh, it also it also comes to mind to me those there's probably something here about teaching people how to learn. So if it's important to you to be organized with a plan to be able to learn something and to get the the, the outcomes and probably first step is to um, yeah teach people the importance of of that learn how learning how to learn in that way if it's important uh, and I might just challenge that you know one person's organized and one person isn't it's something it's a skill something that could be taught yeah yeah personality has some way to it but in general we all can learn how to deal with our chaotic behavior <laughs> so I, I cannot agree more if we want to, if we, if we want to maybe we like it <laughs> the second the second factor isn't that straightforward so there is desire for learning um, and and some of the some of the parts for it I, I do recommend to search for Murray Fisher for the full paper because there is I think 30 of the items in in each of the factors but just three of those in, in desire for learning is enjoying challenge uh, learning from mistakes mm-hmm. and the need to know why mm. yeah secure curiosity and I so yeah, absolutely that would certainly resonate for me um but i will also say you know back to what we were talking about before the um not just the the, the curiosity on the topic and the need to know why this happens like why is the sky why is the sky blue but why am i doing it what's the what's the outcome so you've if you, you had a strong desire to learn spanish you would persevere that you know, duolingo was maybe not the right one but that doesn't mean i'm not learning spanish anymore i find my way yeah and and also i think this is challenging in some way this is um in at least you know (laughs) time for complaining about education system but i think this is something that was forgotten about in in formal education in poland in in primary schools we never we weren't really learning from mistakes mistakes were to be avoided um we never were to 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 get to know why this will be important. We just needed to learn by heart and so forth. Yeah. So this desire for learning and this um, pure fun of learning, I think, is something that we need to develop more, especially to pay attention to this one. The, but, the fun of learning. I, I really love that. Just the, the fun of learning, just the like the pleasure of it, you know, filling our energy banks because of it, because it's in, it's an enjoyable thing. Um, but also back to the question on the stubborn learner in an environment where mistakes are to be invo- avoided, then learnings to be avoided because you you make mistakes yeah and the third one it's connected to this first so first was self-management the third is self-control so even though i'm planning i'm managing my time prioritizing can i am, am i feeling responsible do i have this grit to actually continue to pursue my plans and how would you support learners in in this aspect yeah, so um, two, I'd say two sides to that. There's the there's a kind of a, a push and a pull, and the, the the pull is my own grit, my own. You know, I know my motivation, and I know that you know the hardest times are the ones where I'm learn, learning most. But this is also where it, the the teacher can play both an inspiring and motivating, but also a holding a benchmark and measuring and um, yeah, more more of a like director role because that's also of service of the learner noting down great it's uh it, it was fast but but i think this will come back <laughs> this model will come back fast fun and just like learning should be right and by the way um my last maybe insight for this one and taking your time to think about your last insight is that 
I recently realized that those podcasts and, and the opportunity to talk with someone about something that really triggers me is a great way to learn also. Yeah, <laughs> And something to remember about. Absolutely for me too. So yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Um, any last insights from, from you on, you know, on how we should learn? I'm going to reflect on what you just said there, which is this element of fun. And uh, we didn't touch on that, but I think that might be one of the most important things. Thank you very much. Um, and, and, and for all the viewers, uh, if you'd like to learn more about what Ian is doing, and, and he's doing some great work connecting universities um, to, to build some better programs that are based on what people actually want to learn, go to futurelearn.com. Ian McIlwain was my guest. Thank you. Thank you, Radek. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science of Business podcast. Follow Value Ships on LinkedIn and Facebook to be up to date with future episodes and live streams from the recording.